Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, www.edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. I can't think of anywhere else that I'd rather be than celebrating the resurrection of our Savior today. And we, like Steve said, we really had beautiful services already. But this is going to be the best one because you guys are the last ones in our service today. But really, it's been, it's been an amazing time. Our, our two morning services were packed to overflow in all of our services. And so I'm excited to be able to be with us today online. Good morning. It's good to be with you as well. And and this week has been a significant week for us as a church. I don't know about you, but something has happened. And and I'm saying it, that it is the greater that God spoke to us in the beginning of this year that's starting to take place. We've seen God do something and it's There's the very verse, Romans 8 verse 11, that it says, For the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies, meaning He'll give life to areas that you say are dead, to that relationship, to that marriage, to the future. He says, I will give life life to those areas by the same Spirit living within you. In other words, you know what this verse is saying? The resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an event to celebrate. It is a power to be experienced. Hear me, church. I love Easter. I love that we get to do the pickle fish and all of that and the Easter bunny and all of that. But can I tell you, it's not just a long weekend that we celebrate that it's like, oh, what a nice few holidays that we had. It is a power to be experienced by the resurrection of our Savior. But this is the thing. This is the catch. In order for us to experience it, there is something that we are called to do. And, and I go to that, and it's this word that is something that we have to do to be able to experience that power. That power that we read in Romans 8, verse 11, and it's this word, believe. And I know that sounds easy. Oh, just believe, believe, believe. It sounds so easy, and it's such a nice word to throw around. But the truth is, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to put your belief in something that you can't even see. And so that's why my, my prayer today is that as we go into this, that we're going to look at this word, believe, and that it's going to be made a little more easy. Because the truth is, for many of us, we struggle to believe and we actually doubt. And that's what uncertainty is called. But I want to show you in Scripture, John 11, verse 25 to 26, where Jesus actually speaks these very words, and he speaks this word on belief, and I think it's so appropriate for Resurrection Sunday to be speaking into this thing of belief. And listen to what Jesus said. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, what's the word? Believes in me will live. And even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then this question is asked. It says, do you believe this. Now, if I were to ask you that question, I think for some of us, actually for a lot of us, we would say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I believe. Like, like I want to, Dan, I want to believe, but there's parts of me that goes, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I sort of believe like in the brain, like I know what all of this and Jesus and this is what happened on this day, but I'm not sure if I believe it inside of me. And that's my prayer. That as we, as we experience this, and, and it's more than just a celebrating, we experience in the power of Jesus, that we will see that actually for many of us, we find ourselves doubting. 
Doubting if this is, everything can be true. And actually, it brings some comfort how some of us can identify being a doubter. But here's the powerful truth. We don't have to stay those that doubt. That actually is a process that moves us from doubting to believing. And I want to show that today in today's message. By looking at two stories. By firstly showing a story how, how often we end up in doubt. And then I'll go to the one that shows you how we can believe. And so I want to go to the first story. And this is a story that we see how now Jesus is teaching to a crowd. And whenever I read scripture and I want to encourage you, I want you to try and imagine that you're there. You know, words create worlds. And when you read the word of God, it creates a world for us to get into. And so as we read this, I want to imagine that you're there in the crowd and you've seen what's going on. And so listen to what it says in Mark 19, verse 17, all the way to 24. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at his mouth, his gnashing of the teeth, becomes rigid. And I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Listen to what Jesus says. You unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell onto the ground, was rolling around, foaming at his mouth. And some of you are thinking, how can we be talking about this on Easter Sunday? Just, just wait, you'll see. And then Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to try and kill him. And then there's a response from the dad that I I think so many of us can relate to. I think many of us respond like this, like this father responds. Because I want you to try and put yourself in the shoes of this father. What this dad must be experiencing in this moment. Where from childhood, scripture tells us that his son has been sick. From childhood, there's been every morning they wake up with this. And maybe some of you feel like that. Sure, every morning I wake up with this disappointment. I thought my marriage was going to be like this, and this is where I am. And every, every time you go, I'm actually, I'm tired. I'm tired for caring about everyone else. Put yourself in the shoes of the Father, because look at how he responds. And you hear the, the, the sense of weariness in even his response and desperation. And he says this to Jesus. But if you can, he says, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I sort of imagine Jesus, not with arrogance, but looking at this man, this father, with like a smirk on his face going, if I can, like, do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) If I can. He says, if I can, everything is possible for the one who, what's the word? Believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe And then he says a line, which I think so many of us actually say, whether we say it out aloud or keep it inside of us. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. How many of us have been there? Like, like I do know the theory. I do want to believe like I do, but I struggle to get past this. There's this thing that's always in my life and I struggle, but I want to help me with my unbelief. And I think there were three reasons why this dad was struggling with this thing of unbelief. I think one of the reasons why he was struggling is, is, and why often we struggle, is because we don't think God does the right thing. We're like, hello, 
Are you even doing anything up there? Like you are God and we think that he's not doing his job right. Like we're gonna tell him how to do it. Anyone being like that? I know I pray praise and like, God, why haven't you done this? Now, if I was there, I would have done this. Sure, I'm so glad I'm not there because it would be tragic. But we have these questions and we feel like, God, and can you imagine with this father, like, God, how long? From childhood, this, this boy's been like this. This is what I've been enduring. God, why? God, why? Or maybe we've tried to believe and it didn't work. You look at this father, he brings him to the disciples and even the disciples can't heal him. And maybe for some of us, we're like, I've done the whole week of praying fasting. I've been showing up. I've even been tithing and I've been doing all these things. But God, why? I feel like you're distant. And we ask those questions. Or we've listened to the doubts. The third reason is that we've listened to the doubts of others. It's interesting that Jesus, when this father comes and, and, and he says this, do you believe? It's interesting that, that Jesus doesn't respond to the father, ah, dad, you unbeliever. He doesn't call the dad out. Look who he calls out. He says, and you unbelieving generation. I think that's us. You unbelieving generation. I think for so many of us, we, we choose not to believe for various reasons. But we choose not to believe because of the influences of what our world tells us that anything's accepted. So we don't even believe in what's right anymore. We don't even know where true north is. And so we find ourselves in this place of going, I can't believe. Is there really a better future for our country in South Africa? I doubt so much. We, we keep finding ourselves in that place of like, I don't believe anymore. God, why? That's why I'm really expecting for our series starting next week. Because I think for many of us, we're sitting in the questions of saying like, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you take my wife? Why did you allow cancer to take place? God, why do you always feel so distant? Why can't I feel more of you? God, why would you want to use me? God, why do you allow bad things happen to good people? If you're a good God, why would you send people to hell? I think these are the questions that many of us are sitting with that cause unbelief. And can let me tell you, he invites us to bring those questions. He's not like, oh, no, 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 don't talk to me about that. He actually calls it out from us. And I believe when we can come into that place where we can speak to some of these things, we might not always have necessarily the right answer, but in that space, Jesus meets you right where you are and what you need. And that's experiencing the power in Romans 8 verse 11, that the same power that lives in Christ is within us, that he wants us to experience. So how do we go from that place of unbelieving? To believe in. And I'm talking about like really believing. Like I believe, not like oh, I believe. Like I believe. How? There's a process. There's a process that takes place. And I want to show you in the second story, and it's a resurrection story, appropriate for today. A story that happened after Jesus was resurrected by a guy who we know, most famous, as someone for almost 2,000 years, as the most famous doubter. What is his name? Doubting Thomas. I feel sorry for this guy. He did this thing we doubted, and for 2,000 years, he has been labeled with this thing, Doubting Thomas. Poor Oak. Can you imagine it was like that for us? We just call people, oh, there goes Lazy Susan. Oh, there goes Dip, Dan. There goes, oh, Karen. Karen will always be Karen. But can you imagine? That's the title he has. But before I tell you how Thomas goes from doubt to belief, I want you to hear how his life, how it ended for all for him. Because the truth is, Thomas goes and actually becomes a very strong believer. 
He was the first to go and evangelize to, to the nation of India, meaning he took the word of God to the nation of India. And it's there in that place where, in actual fact, there's another group of people who believe differently to Christianity that sort of challenge him. They take captive of him and they say to him, well, well, deny. And he says, I will not deny. I will not deny Jesus. And the way he died is that he was speared to death because he didn't doubt. He goes to someone who was doubting Thomas to someone who is a very strong believer. And to this day, Thomas's gravesite is actually in the nation of India. And so the background, that's a background to Thomas's story. But now we find ourselves in this resurrection story. After Jesus, today, so Jesus rose, the woman find him that he's not there and the tomb is broken and everything, and he's gone. For 40 days, Jesus was still around walking and having this interaction. 50 in total, but for 40 days he has these moments. And there's some very meaningful moments that take place in these 40 days. And how Jesus interacts and you see these different interactions. And at least 10 of them, we, we recalled. And last year we went through that whole series. And if you want to know more about these interactions, it's on our YouTube channel. You'll, you'll see 50 days that changed the world. That takes us from today all the way to Pentecost Sunday. But there was one story, and it was a story about when he, Jesus appears to his disciples, and old Thomas is not there in this moment. And so this is what we read in the second story, which shows you how we can believe. So we read it in John 20, and it says here, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, look here, would you rather have Doubting Thomas as your name or Didymus? <laughs> I would take Doubting Thomas. One of the 12, this poor guy, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, hey, bro, we saw Jesus. Now, you know those moments when you are invited somewhere and then for some reason you can't make it and you have such FOMO that you cannot be there. And so you're feeling it. You're already miserable on the inside that you couldn't make it and all of this. And then you get together the group of people that were at that very thing that you were meant to be. And they go on and tell you, oh, it was amazing. Remember this? And they're laughing and you sit in there, duck back. Because you can't relate and you're going, I missed it. That's exactly what happened to Thomas. He doesn't see Jesus. The rest of them are like, this is amazing. We saw him. We saw the whole thing. And look at what Thomas responds. And he says this, and I can hear it in his anger. He must have said, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my fingers where the nail were, and I put my hand where it, the side where the spear went, he says, I will not believe. It's like he was already doubting, but it's just got worse now. And I want to show you in this story how he takes steps to overcome his unbelief to believe in, and steps that all of us can take. Steps that is, that is possible for us to go from a place of unbelief to belief. And verse 26 of John 20, the very next verse, it says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and thank goodness, Thomas was now there. Though the doors were locked, because remember at this point, the disciples are all petrified because they seen Jesus who was dead and now he's just popping through walls and just like, hey guys, how's it going? And so now they're so scared, they're locking the doors because they're scared that he's going to come back again. <laughs> and so now they go, though the doors were locked, Jesus came, like surprise guys, and he said, he stood, am stood amongst him and he said these words and I understand. He said, peace be with you. Now look here, if you saw someone walk through a wall, would you also not need that? <laughs> peace be with me in this very moment. And so he says this, 
But there's a reason why he says it, because the first thing I want you to know, how do you go on the journey of going from unbelief to believe, is number one, is realize that Jesus will continually search for you. I say it this way, your doubts won't keep Jesus away. No matter how much doubts you have, he, Jesus is not going to come to the face and go, oh, I give up. You've doubted so many times. I give up. Like I've proven to you how good I've been. I've done all these things. You're like, yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. And then literally a week later, I don't believe anymore. Or you have the cycle. You have an amazing, incredible holy week. Oh, I love you, Jesus. And then a few months later, I don't believe anymore. I struggle. He doesn't go, oh, I just give up on you. He fully gets it. He was, he was on earth. Jesus was a human for 33 years. He, he felt emotions. He understands. And I think that's exactly the reason why he says, peace be with you, Thomas. Now, he's not accepting and saying, it's okay, you can just be an unbeliever. No, no, he does challenge that. But I think he fully understands. He says, peace be with you. I want you to hear me today. If you are constantly and you still find yourself searching, you spiritually, you, you don't even know that it's a spiritual search, but there's something that is missing inside of you and you constantly feel like there's this emptiness. You can go search between man. You can read the best books, listen to the greatest podcast. You can try medication. You can do all these things. Can I tell you the only thing that you will be fulfilled with is when you find Jesus. And the truth is, he's always searching for you. Although from the beginning of the book of Genesis, we see how, how God searched for us. When Adam and Eve hid, what are the words that he said? Where are you? He wasn't shouting at them. He was searching for them. He will always come searching for you, even when you think your doubts are too great. But then we continue with the story. We see how even our doubts can't keep us away from Jesus because listen to what I have says in 27. And then Jesus said to him, peace be with you, Thomas. And then he said to Thomas, like he, he, he knows exactly the very thing that Thomas needs right now to believe, because these are the words that he said to the other disciples. Jesus wasn't there. He says to him, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I love those words that Jesus says. Reach out. What is Jesus doing here? In this moment here, he was encouraging Thomas. He was saying, hey, hey, my friend, listen to me. Step towards something that you have not accepted yet. Take a step towards me. I'm calling you to reach out. I've, I've shown it all to you. Here I am. Now I'm calling you to step out, and that's the second thing. How do we go from the journey of unbelieving to believing? Is when we take a step to discover who Jesus is. And for some of us, you're here because this is what you do. You come on an Easter Sunday, but you know that there's something missing. I'm calling you. You come back next week. That's your step. For some of you, it's that, that step of baptism. You've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Take that step. There's still time for you to sign up. There's different steps where all of us find ourselves in different places because this is the truth. Belief won't come to you. You have to go to it. And I think for many years, the church, the capital C church, the worldwide church has portrayed a certain message that's saying you have to believe before you can belong or you have to behave before you can belong here. That's not what I, when we read in the gospels. That's not what we see there. Actually, what Jesus is saying is that, that, that you belong. Yes, there will be a place where you'll come and when you meet him, that there will be the inner work and there will be change that takes place and, and you can't just stay the same. 
When the inner thing happens inside of you, you will change what your lifestyle is like. And that's what God desires for you. But that's even why we speak at each church, our culture assessment, each church, a place where you belong. And I really believe that's what God is desiring. And for some of us, I think that we are waiting to believe before you pursue. You're like, oh, if I just believe a little more, then I'll pursue. If I just believe a little more, then I'll take that step of baptism. If I just believe in all, then I'll do the welcome home and get involved. And so you're waiting for that. But can I say, you have to pursue before you believe. And you know, I'm not just speaking to, to new believers. I'm speaking for those who have been on this journey of Christianity for a long time. I'm calling you, this, this Holy Week and what's happened doesn't just need to stay there. And then we lose it. Some of us, our hearts are, they're like warm now, but then maybe after a few times they go over cold. Can I tell you, take steps towards Jesus. Even with that unbelief, he says, come. Even though you've been a believer for song, he says, come to me. Rediscover your love, your first love for Jesus. But let me finish the story. You see, the, the way that this next part of the verse ends is that Thomas now gets saved. He, it's a moment where he becomes a believer. And you know what? This, this verse that I'm going to share is the shortest verse of all my readings that I've done today. I think there's reason to that. Because often we try and think of all these things before I have to believe I need you to do this and this and that. In actual fact, coming to that place of belief is... It's easy, but hear me, it'll cost you everything. Verse 28. This is after this moment that Jesus said, reach out, come Thomas, come my friend, come, reach. I know you're doubting. Reach out. Listen to what it says in verse 28. Thomas said to him, looking at Jesus, I imagine him standing there with his hands and he finally sees it. He reached out, felt and in that moment, his, his moment of belief happens. And he says, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. Meaning, my Lord, I'm committed to you. My Lord, the one, the one that I serve. And you notice he doesn't just say Lord. He doesn't just say God. He says my, he personalizes it. Hear me. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion, about ticking a box. It's about that personal relationship that he desires to have for us, that he goes, it's my Lord. It's my God. And this leaves us with the last one. It's that I'm calling to take those steps from unbelief to believing. It's to give your life to the one who gave his life. The one who, who, who did it first, that went to the cross, that said, I will give my life first for you. He says, I will do it. And so I'm calling you to give your life and commit to him. Because belief isn't faith in something. It's about faith on someone. And I explain why I use that word on. With a story, an illustration. In 1824, a man named Charles Bolden at a young age of five, his parents enrolled him to do acrobatic school. This young guy, he just had a thing about walking on ropes. He was good. And they couldn't believe how he just grew. And then eventually, at the age of 31, he went to New York. 
And then in New York, he, 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 he realizes that, oh my word, they're skyscrapers. I can like do my tightrope over a skyscraper. And so this guy, don't know what's in his brain, he decides he's going to go between two buildings on a piece of rope and he walks. And eventually crowds come and they're so attracted to this man and they're like, oh, this is incredible. And he keeps doing these things, but eventually after you've seen someone walk across a rope, after three or four times, you're like, okay, brew, it's done now. Thanks very much. And so he realizes he needs to keep on calling people out and he needs to find new things and he does different acts and he eventually does it on stilts and they say he did it blindfolded and everything like this. But then one of his greatest ideas he has, and I don't know why he thought this was a good idea, he says to him, I'm going to do a tightrope over the Niagara Falls. And so he does it. And for weeks on end, mass crowds come. They're looking at this man walking over it and everything like that. But eventually over time, They got bored of that as well. And he thought, well, I don't know what else to do. So then he has this moment where he thinks to himself, you know what? I've got this idea. And so with a crowd in front of him, he says, how many of you believe that I can do this walk with someone on my back? Everyone cheers. Yes, we believe. Come on. And then he goes, any volunteers? Like that? I would have also laughed in his face. You see, they had belief in him. He could do it. He could do it. But they weren't ready to put their belief on him. And I believe for many of us, we're in a place that we believe, we believe, but we're not fully ready to put our belief on him, meaning I'm fully reliant on God. That he is the one I can give him everything. That I believe, hate knowledge, I've grown up as a kid, I know all these things, but I don't, I'm not fully reliant on him. I still do a lot of things in my own strength. And he's saying, will you just put your belief so I can carry this with you? Will you believe in me? And why I go back? Well, I said that this Easter is not just about celebrating and all of this stuff. It's about truly experiencing the power of Jesus. And he says... You can go from a place of unbelief to belief. There's a process, but there's a decision that we have to make in all of this. Come, let's pray together. And I encourage you to put everything down. And just to be still in this moment. And I would love to be able to pray for all of you here and those online with us today. So come on, can I just pray for you? Father, I thank you that you are speaking to people right now. And Lord, I pray that that you would move in a way that only you can move. For those who are sitting in this place of uncertainty, for those who are sitting in this place of, of doubting, today that you would reveal yourself to them. This Resurrection Sunday, God, I pray, if they are like Thomas that is looking and saying, I'm struggling to believe, that right now, you'll reveal yourself to them. Because I believe for so many of us, you've come into this place and maybe you're invited, you're not even sure why you're here. It feels like a duty that you had to come. And you're going, I don't believe. Circumstances. Things that have happened, what my dad and mom have done to me. 
find yourself in a place where you go, what's happened and, and this and disappointment and uncertainty and regret and shame and bad decisions. You line yourself in a place and you're saying, I struggle to believe, Dan. I don't know how to. There's that sense of like, I'm not worthy enough to believe. I'm not worthy enough to, to have a relationship. I want to remind you what Easter is all about. Over 2,000 years ago, our Savior, he went to that cross and he laid there. But let me tell you, he didn't, he didn't just stay in the tomb. He left the tomb. And there's, if there's things in your life he's saying, I can't believe for, he says, even though you might think it's dead, he's saying it's not dead. It's not dead because I'm alive. And that means that there is hope for you to even in your unbelief, he says, there's hope. But there's a thing that we have to do. We need to admit that we need Jesus. And so right now, like Thomas, I believe there are, there, there are people in this space and online that need to say those very words like Thomas did, my Lord, my God. We need to make a decision to say, my Lord, my God, I need you in my unbelief. Because right now, this moment is here and it's an invitation, it's not forced. So that's you saying, Dan, I need to pray that prayer. And then number one, maybe it's you've been a believer, but you realize that your heart is cold. And number two is that there's a sense that this is what you do. You come to church on Easter, but can I tell you, there's a defined reason why you're here right now. He says, let me help you with your unbelief. And you're saying, I want to make that prayer. I want to go from unbelieving to believing. Pray this prayer with me right now where you are, quietly. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. For pain for my sins, even though I, I don't deserve it, thank you for what you did for me today. I receive what you have done for me. I make you the Lord of my life. I, I make you my God, my Lord. And I make a decision to follow you today. Thank you for forgiving me, for changing me, for living in me. And with all my heart, I come to you. And so right now, if you prayed that prayer with all eyes closed, I believe this is a very defining moment. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to pray with you as a pastor of this house. And so all eyes closed on this Resurrection Sunday, just lift your hand and you sit down, I prayed that prayer right now. Lift it up, amen. You can put it down. Don't be ashamed. Don't let pride or arrogance stand in the way of amen, amen. Don't. You say, God, he, he sees you in your doubt. He says, come. Just like Thomas had to reach, I believe even by lifting the hand, it's reaching out. is a step of believing. Amen. One more time. Online, you can indicate. Amen. You can put it down. Amen. 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 Hands still going up. Amen. See that hand. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. Father, for each hand that went up, I thank you. I thank you. Like a Thomas, even in our unbelief, you still say, come my child. I thank you, God, for this moment that we get to celebrate 
our risen Savior who said, I've done it for you. It's not for everyone else, it's for you. By name, he calls you. And so, Father, as your people, as those who have come into this place of now believing, we thank you for what you have done. And God's people say together, amen, amen, amen. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We'd love to help you on your discipleship journey.